Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 171 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to talk about social media and hiking. Now, everyone has their own reason or reasons for hiking. And these can include things like exercise, getting a bit of solitude, taking in scenic views. For many people, photography also forms part of getting out bush. And sometimes this might be the main reason, uh, with the focus being taking photos of wildlife or sunrises. At other times, it might be just a minor reason with the odd photo taken as a means of remembering the activity or the particular hike that you've been on. Now, social media in itself isn't a negative use of photography. And certainly from Jill and my perspective, our initial engagement with social media uh, was like many other people in being in contact with our family to find out what was going on. Over recent years, there's been a trend of taking photographs not for the purpose of remembering a hike, for getting high-impact photos that extend social media reach. In itself, that isn't an issue, but it does become one when people risk their lives or damage the environment just to get that special photo. In this episode, we discuss the negative impacts of social media and look at ways we can minimise those. We hope you enjoy. There's probably two main negative reasons that social media can have on the environment and hiking. The first one is environmental damage. Now, just as an example here, uh, the highly popular Overland track um, is one of those tracks where you can almost describe it as being loved to death. Uh, And a number of years ago, uh, there was no permitting system on the Overland track. Uh, and the, the final straw that broke the camel's back from the uh, Tasmanian Parks uh, organisation was what, that 200 people turned up to the first <laughs> campsite on one day. <laughs> yeah, it's not a big campsite, is it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, given that the, the hut itself sleeps about 24 at a maximum yeah, and the, the external area just doesn't cater with that. So with sites like the Overland Track and other high visitation sites, um, the mechanisms that were put in place to protect these sort of tracks uh, include uh, having a permitting system, which limits the number of people that are going to impact on a a track or a particular area at a given time, uh, and also the inclusion of uh, things like uh, boardwalks and um, uh, constructed trails Again, just to try and minimise the impact. Yeah, and keep people on the trail um, and manage the numbers. And and it's a really interesting one because it does create a lot of uh, debate uh, within the, the sector um, about uh, people who, you know, don't think they need to be managed um, and think, you know, it's kind of a bit over the top. So permitting and make, making... Uh, supposedly the hiking easier through a boardwalk rather than necessarily appreciating the the um, minimising the impact um, by creating, I guess, form trails that people have to follow. 
I, I was at a meeting uh, a few years ago and talking to staff from Tasmanian Parks uh, and we were talking about the, the South Coast track in Tasmania uh, and it's certainly recognised as being a, a wilderness trail um, but there's, there is discussion about putting in boardwalks, putting in huts and form campsites on this trail just because of the sheer amount of damage that uh, hikers are actually putting on this particular area. So, I mean, I, I think in that respect... You know, loving trails to death can be managed. Um, you can actually limit the number of people that, that access a site in a particular time. You can actually use things like the boardwalks. Uh, and, and these are all things that can be managed quite well. And, and I guess the point here is um, that people have seen images about, you know, some of these iconic spots and it draws them to them. So, you know, I- images on social media – um, have the effect of attracting attention and attracting more visitation. So, you know, you can't ban the images on social media. Um, so you have to manage the impact. And I think it doesn't matter what sort of mechanisms you put in place, you've got to assume or you can only assume that people are going to follow the recommendations. So putting in fences, putting in signs, um, you hope that people obey those <laughs> and don't go and climb them or don't, don't go into areas they shouldn't. People do people things. <laughs> I think so, yeah. So walking off boardwalks or marked trails to get a particular photo can have that environmental damage. Uh, now, in the written version of this podcast, there's a an example of um, – well, there's a couple of examples, actually, that we've actually gone through and referenced. One was of the Californian poppy superbloom, and there's been a couple of those over the last few years. Um, and there was an instance in 2019 where the, the, the conditions, the weather conditions, the environment was at such a point where the bloom of the Californian poppies had just been so good that every everyone wanted to get out and take photos. Um, and there's a, an article we've quoted out of the uh, Los Angeles Times um, that says... Stubborn enough to go see the poppy bloom, at least stay on the trail. And, and, they, and the cover image of that, of that article has someone actually lying in, a, in the middle of the poppies actually off the trail. And what's happening here is this is only one individual, but they're actually going through and, and crushing poppies in that particular area. And given the sheer number of people uh, doing the same sort of thing, the damage is being replicated across a large area. There was even an example in that same year of somebody landing a helicopter in the middle of the the, the blooming uh, poppy field. Uh, you now, yes, that's you know, <laughs> it's going to limit the number of uh, you know the. That's the, not just the poppies that are going <laughs> to get destroyed in all of that. No, and it's not just the, the 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 treads of the actual helicopter. It's the wind that are destroying everything as well. And apparently, when the rangers went to approach the helicopter, the helicopter took off and disappeared, just so they wouldn't get fined. Well. Except don't they have registration numbers on the side of? They do, and in this case here, it was actually a me- it was actually a media helicopter, and they spoke to the media agency concerned. Closer to home, the um, Mount Kosciuszko walk from the top of the ski lift up to the summit of Mount Kosciuszko. Um, Alpine areas tend to be fairly sensitive. Yeah. Uh, they tend to be slow growing and, and any damage you get tends to repair quite slowly. And also the growing season is actually quite short as well. It is. So in that sort of instance there, from the chairlift pretty much up to at least um, probably two-thirds of the way towards the summit, you're on a formed uh, mesh track. 
uh, and you know, providing you don't go off the track, uh, you're limiting the impact that's having on that trail. So, I mean, in that particular walk, uh, it's usually the case where people tend to stay on the boardwalk. Uh, and once the boardwalk finishes, you're then on management road that takes you to that final bit up to the summit. So in, in that case of uh, Mount Kosciuszko, where you have tens of thousands of people walking that summit and walking that trail over a period of the warmer months, um, you know, if the track or the, the tread wasn't there, you just have a permanently warm trail. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would get braided. It would get wide. Uh, you'd start to get erosion and runoff. Um, so putting that trail in, while it, uh, it actually has an impact, uh, by physically putting the trail in, the damage is actually much less uh, and the long-term protection of the environment is actually much better. Well, it's one of these funny things, isn't it, because it, it contains the volume of people um, to the track but in a perverse kind of way it also makes it easier um, to access as well which attracts more people. So it's kind of this funny sort of circular thing that goes on, I think. But, in, you know, in the long run, I think boardwalks in particular have proven to be essential uh, in protecting sensitive areas. Now, in addition to environmental damage, we can also do cultural damage. For those people that have walked around Uluru, uh, you'll come across um, images saying, this is a culturally sensitive site, please do not take photos. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, you're not likely to see huge numbers of photos of that particular area of the rock uh, on social media. So potentially, by taking photos, you know, you're going to be showing something that isn't commonly seen uh, and that, and potentially would be, uh, you know, it would encourage people to go through and look at it. Uh, but again, it's encouraging bad cultural practices. Uh, it, you know, the traditional owners have asked that people don't uh, go through and take photos and don't approach this area. Uh, and it's just it's just a matter of good manners and courtesy uh, that in I, that sort of situation you you, you don't necessarily uh, as much as you want to you don't necessarily go in and take photos. Yeah, and I you know I think we talk about respect and I think that's an aspect, but you know it it's a privilege that you're being given um, an opportunity to go and have a look um, and you know really value that privilege in the way that you're being asked to value it and I. You know, I don't think that's that's a bad thing. You you don't go into someone's home and you take photos. Um, so, you know, I, for me, that's the analogy that I would use. You don't go into someone's backyard um, and take photos. So so why would you do that in such special places and places with such meaning? While people can have serious environmental impacts by their activities, many people take the pursuit of capturing good social media images to the extreme, and in doing so, put themselves at physical risk and even death. Now, what prompted this podcast uh, was, within the last week of this podcast being uh, produced, there was a an article in the media uh, about the death of a, uh, a walker who'd gone to a lookout who'd bypassed the fence to have a photo taken on a very prominent uh, location that's very popular. Uh, they, from what I understand from reading the, the articles in the media, they tripped and actually fell off the cliff and ended up dying. That in itself seems to be a common sort of thing, not so much the deaths, but it's certainly... It's a very sad thing. It's a, it is a very sad thing, but I think it, it's more the issue that so many people do this. And if you actually go on to... Uh, 
the Instagram and, and some of the other social media platforms, you'll see so many images of people sitting on the edge of this cliff having their photo taken. There's one image which I came across in particular, which was a video uh, of somebody standing virtually about 30 centimetres in from the edge of this cliff edge, uh, and they did a backflip. Uh, now, um, they may have been the world's best gymnast. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where um, they look like that. I mean, they could do they could do a decent backflip, but still, you know, you'd you'd ha- you'd have to be pretty pretty good and pretty confident. Yeah, all, all you'd need is just one one misstep or one incident. Yeah, and he or could even have gone just to slip. Yeah. yeah, it's to slip, and he, and he could have actually gone over the edge. Now, in this instance here. This image has had a lot of social media likes and interaction, uh, but what it really is saying is, hey, if I do this really dangerous thing, I get lots of social media interaction. Now, in Sydney, uh, south of Sydney, there's a site called Wedding Cake Rock in Royal National Park, and it's a similar sort of location. Uh, There are fences up there uh, to stop people getting to the edge of the cliff. Uh, There are signs that, that... very clearly point out the dangers uh, and, you know, people still bypass this to get a photo sitting on the edge of the, of the rock. Uh, and we have used an image from social media showing an example of this, um, uh, all in the sake of getting a good social media image. So people will often say, well, what's the problem? Uh, now, Wedding Cake Rock in particular, there is a very clear warning sign that states that the geotechnical experts, and I assume they mean geologists here, are basically saying they're just waiting for this rock formation just to fall into the ocean. Um, I I think it's more a matter of not if it will do it, it's when more than anything else. Uh, And you've only got to look at uh, uh, photos of this particular piece of rock formation from particular angles, and there's a large crack um, and it doesn't look like mm-hmm. it would take much for it to, uh, you know, too many people on there or whatever uh, for this thing to go. Uh, and if people happen to be on there in the particular time, um, they'll go with it. And I think this was one one a few years ago where there was a stack of people um, who were, you know, getting the image and uh, it actually did um, make the news um, and the, the rangers were trying to clear so they'd, you know, started a bit of a frenzy, people climbing over the fence and um, there, there was more than a couple of people um, standing on this piece that, you know, had the potential to fall. Um, some would say, well, it didn't, so it's kind of okay. Um, but, yeah, when I saw the image of, of this or the, the the video footage on the news a few years ago, it was like just madness and crazy. And, and I think also... Um, it, you know, 2020 has been such a weird year. Lots of people suddenly being able to get out and about also had an impact on, um, I think, some crazy things that people were doing. Uh, thank God I can now get out of, you know, my house or my yard or um, and I can stand on this cliff and take a photo and tell everybody I'm out here. So, you know, I... I it's it, it you know it's a really hard one because um, you you can appreciate the the excitement <laughs> about being let let loose in 2020 but you know I think there's been a um, a very dangerous uprise in this practice. 
All right, ignoring the fact that this rock is at some point going to fall into the ocean. I mean, it, it may not happen for years, who knows. But you know, again, it becomes the issue that if you get too close to the, uh, the edge and you trip or you slip, uh, you're risking your life. If that's not enough, um, if you are caught by the rangers, you're potentially up for a $3,000 fine. And I mean, that in itself is probably a good enough indication that it's something you probably shouldn't do. Now, the other issue here is ignoring potential safety issues to yourself. Uh, I mean, you know, if you want to take the risk, certainly that's up to you. But if you do end up injuring yourself or falling and you need to be rescued, you're putting potentially putting other people at risk who have to go through and rescue. And you're also diverting resources from other accident situations, uh, you know, things that people, you know, real accidents <laughs> rather than, than, than people putting themselves at risk. Self-created. Self-created. Yeah. Now, we'll be upfront here. We use social media quite heavily to promote uh, uh, our website and our blog, uh, just as many bloggers do. Um, but you know, things we try and avoid is we, we try not to post images that show unsafe activities. So while it would be good to go and get a really wonderful photo, and we may get more hits, um, it's setting a bad precedent. We don't tend to encourage unsafe activities. So again, you know, we don't repost images that are showing uh, other unsafe activities. Now, while I've gone through and shown photos in this podcast and this the written version of it, it's more to show examples of what not to do. We also don't show activities that that damage the environment. So, um, you know, lying in a field of wildflowers or uh, uh, climbing over a fence to get a photo uh, in the middle of a bush uh, is something we try and avoid at, at all costs. We tend to stay on the trail uh, unless there is no trail. Um, but usually we all follow the trail where, wherever it has been set. Well, one of the things I, I'd like to um, emphasise is that you know, the whole point of some of this uh, dangerous photography uh, and posting on social media is um, about getting that reach and about getting those likes. So one thing that we can do is not like them and not encourage it and not support it. And, you know, that kind of takes away the power um, of uh, the the thing that they're trying to generate and the thing that they're trying to create. So, you know, it's an interesting one, but... Uh, yeah, we can just um, boycott, I guess, is what I'm saying, the images that we think are damaging the environment or the images that we think are unsafe. Yeah, so as, as, as Jill said, I mean, in, 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 in talking about that example before or those couple of examples before where we, we talked about the, the person doing the backflip on the, uh, the edge of a cliff, um, that had a huge amount of likes. Um, it went viral. That's the only way you can describe it. it you know, it, it was a it was a extremely large amounts of hits. But what that tends to do is encourage people to go through and repeat those practices just because they know they can get uh, good social media reach. The other example we talked about was poor cultural practices. Um, we have deliberately chosen not to do some walks, um, some of the walks in Glasshouse Mountain. The traditional owners have requested that people don't walk to the summits uh, of the of particular uh, peaks. And as a result, we've, we've accepted that uh, and we've chosen not to do the walk and not to post images of it as well because that would be just be encouraging more people to go through and do it. Yeah, and I think that's a really important one because – um, 
you know, the whole point about all of this is uh, a- a- acknowledging, um, you know, what's special and what's precious. Um, and, you know, there are so... Um, there are so few and such a uh, reducing number of special and precious things. Um, why, why do you, why do you want to um, put more pressure on them and, and um, you know uh, encourage more destruction of them? Okay, so just to finish up this uh, this episode, this has only been a short one today. Um, as I said, we do use social media quite heavily, but we try and do it in a uh, a responsible way. We do, pe- we do encourage people to think about personal safety and protection of the uh, physical and the cultural environment. Um, this may not get you as many social media hits, <laughs> uh, but in the long run, it's the responsible thing to do. Yeah, and if it's family and friends wanting to know, you know, what's what really special thing that you did on your, um, your hike or your trip away, then, you know, maybe do something a little bit old-fashioned and have a conversation about it. Okay, that's all for this week. Uh, we have one more episode left for 2020. Yay, yay. Uh, <laughs> we're, and... all, we're all hoping the end of 2020 <laughs> is going to be a good end. <laughs> and that's going to be in the last few days of the, of, the, of the year. So look forward to that. As always, you can listen to this podcast through the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au uh, through iTunes, through Apple Music, and any other number of podcast hosting services. We hope everyone has a great Christmas and has a good chance to get out hiking. That's all for this week. Bye for now. And Merry Christmas and bye from me.